Okay, we are back. Chris Ramey is with us this morning. He's a regular with us. He's the president of Home Trust International and Retail Rescue. We're going to talk about the higher end. And, Chris, great to have you with us. It's always great to have you with us. David, it's a pleasure to be with you and, and of course, your listeners. Let me ask you about Retail Rescue. That sounds like a most interesting and a much-needed effort. Talk about that. Sure. Um, Pam Danziger, who owns Unity Marketing, and I uh, were talking one day, and although she runs primarily research uh, in in the high-end and gift segments, and, uh, of course, you know what I do, and we thought, you know, maybe we start a partnership. And uh, we bought retail-rescue.net, And uh, the mission of this organization is to help independent retailers compete more effectively. Very interesting. Well, it certainly is a much-needed service, not only in the floor-covering business, but in, in, in retail in general. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it's sad watching so many retailers get beat up by large companies as well as the Internet. I see. And it's so real in front of everybody. An awful lot of nice people won't be in business in five years, and 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 probably don't don't start off. Obviously, don't start off with the basics that uh, they should have in their end of the court to even have a chance at being successful. Well, it, it's difficult because they have a vision, but often don't know how to execute on a retail level, and. That's that's why people call us. Um, I hear you. And if you're in that case, in that situation, we Pam and I and, and Jan Press, who is a uh, expert in QuickBooks, uh, we'd love to help you. Interesting. Let me ask you about the, the the high end, the high end in the flooring industry. What is it, and how big is it? Well, isn't that a million dollar question? Uh, how big is it? But one of the issues in, in trying to draw statistics is everyone. Uh, well, first off, how nice do you want me to be today, Dave? Positive <laughs> or negative? Well, I'd like you to be uh, re- realistic, as you usually are. Okay. Well, first off, everybody lies. So trying to get good data is um, is difficult. Uh, the second is that most people don't know what high-end is. It's a relative term. Luxury is, is so personal that it's difficult to define. Uh, you might have, 15 years ago, been able to tell someone, well, this brand sells high-end and that brand sells low-end, but today you have mass distribution with brands like Karistan and Stanton, who might have been considered luxury 15 years ago, uh, at least to most. Uh, So as everybody sells everybody, it's very difficult to uh, dissect the market as to what's high-end and what isn't high-end. You know, you have wood manufacturers, and you might have thought wood was a higher-end category 10 years ago, and they're getting into LVT, which is decidedly not luxury. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you know how you can tell a product's not luxury? Because it says luxury in it. So <laughs> what happens inevitably is, I can't answer that question honestly, because I don't know that anyone knows. Well, I guess it changes. I guess that was one of your points, that what was luxury 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago is is not now but there is you know there are more i don't know what what word i was going to say more luxury products but at least there are products that are higher on the luxury scale than others and cost more and uh and i guess that's a reasonable definition at this point of what is 
high end, I suppose, huh? Probably, at least in, in soft, the easiest um, case is wool. Wool is generally a, a, a more expensive and, and superior product because the fiber is superior. Mm -hmm. uh, this is particularly true when you watch most of the manufacturers trying to find the cheapest yarn they can uh, to tuft into something that'll last a good six, seven months. So it is. Uh, so there, you can separate it that way. Of uh, course, uh, someone from New Zealand once told me that if 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 wool really had a uh, over one percent share of the market, they couldn't keep up, and uh, and and sadly, they have no problems keeping up with demand. So it's again difficult to determine those da that data. That's interesting. That's interesting. So On the other hand. Uh, you might say, uh, as we do, that luxury is a business model. It's very different from premium and design and mass, of course. And to that point, there are very few companies that execute classic luxury marketing strategies, at least in the floor covering business. And obviously there are in other, other segments. I mean, we can all name two or three luxury retailers, I, I, I suppose. How come that doesn't exist really as, as strongly as it might in the floor covering business? Well, I think we have a heritage of being an industry that's hoard up and you mark it up to mark it down and it's hard to get away from that. And we all learned that with JCPenney, didn't we? That designer, excuse me, not designers, that uh, consumers want to be lied to. So who are we to give them what they don't want? That, that, that is an interesting point. I guess it's hard to argue with, which, which leads me to, I guess, the next question is, how have these segments, high-end luxury, um, changed o over the years? Obviously, I can remember back, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was much different than it is today. Why, why are those, why has that shift t taken place like it has? It's a good question, and I think there's a couple of things that have happened. First, it's a democratization of luxury, uh, that anybody can afford a little piece of luxury if they want it. They may not be able to afford all of it, but they can afford enough of it uh, to be happy and to be content. Uh, we've also seen in the last 20 years, uh, certainly since the 80s, an explosion of wealth. Uh, but just because you have the capacity to buy anything you want doesn't mean you have the knowledge or intelligence to buy what's right. Uh, Harrison Group, which is now YouGov, did research on that, and they identified over 500 different categories to which the affluent needed to learn to live what they call a life of abundance. So it, it's a learning process as to why wool is superior. But if you go into most floor covering stores, even nice floor covering stores, uh, they're just as likely to tell you why you don't need to spend that much, because they think it's an easier sell to sell something mid-market. That's interesting. That, that, that's interesting. You know, I, people of more modest means certainly buy luxury products. I mean, there's a place not, not, not far from here, one of these... Um, um, you can you can pawn your car title things. I don't know what they call those, and uh, you know, big sign and n nice a nice building, 
and they've got a fenced-in area in the back that's full of cars. People who took advantage of this service and ended up losing their cars, and there's a lot of nice cars, BMWs, Mercedes, in that fenced-in area, which I guess means that a lot of people who, who, who don't really have the income uh, by virtue of spreading payments over six or eight years can afford luxury products. Yes, absolutely, that's true. My uh, my next door neighbor drives a Bentley, but his home's a dump. So you <laughs> obviously we won't talk about where I live, but uh, you know that's pervasive. Um, here's another interesting statistic: is that um, approximately half of all luxury items are from luxury brands, true luxury brands. And I'm not talking about yachts or cars, but Vuitton and Cartier and da da and on and on. Um, are sold to aspirational customers because they have, in keeping with the luxury business model, been able to create enough desire that it becomes a meaningful piece or a status piece for that customer. Yeah, so that's a conspicuous con- consumption purchase of, of some sort then. Well, it could be to the person that, that buys it, uh, but, but luxury is, is so everywhere that it's, it's rarely conspicuous. At least in the United States and, and Europe to that degree. Now there are places you go to Bell Harbor uh, shopping center in, in uh, Miami, and it's there's conspicuous consumption there. But to a large degree, that's because it's heavily Latin America, and in Latin America, you generally you're not a conspicuous consumer while you're there because there's still so many kidnappings, and people hate to be a conspicuous consumer and then find their kids missing. I see. But your neighbor with the Bentley, would you call that conspicuous consumption? Um, yeah, I think I think a Bentley today, like a Rolls Royce or a Bugatti, is, is conspicuous, yes. I see. In my opinion, it is. And, and I live in South Florida where they're everywhere. Then really, people, retailers, floor-covering retailers and other retailers who would cater more to the higher-end market don't necessarily mean that they're necessarily catering to a more wealthy clientele. Uh, that's correct. In fact, um, my my partner at Retail Rescue uh, has, has a great statistic, along with Ron Kurtz, who owns American Affluence Research Center, that, that according to the census, 57% of those in the top 10% in the United States, according to net worth, live in a home under half a million dollars. And, and what that tells you is there's a lot of uh, what Dr. Stanley used to refer to as the middle-class millionaire. People with the capacity to buy just about anything they want, you just haven't convinced them yet. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to a conversation with Chris Ramey, president of the Home Trust International and Retail Rescue. We'll have more of this conversation this coming Tuesday. This is Flow Radio.